Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. All right, guys, you did not join Danny and myself. You were busy. You tried to join, but you I tried on technology on Friday during that sell off. We had a chat. It was pretty calm. We were like, ah, it's probably a little bit overdone here. These are the reasons why stocks are selling off. Crude was selling off. Rates were selling off. Some individual names got absolutely taken to the woodshed here. So we're bouncing today. Uh, maybe this variant isn't as bad as people might have thought, at least the way they were voting with their wallets. On Friday, we have the S&P 500 up 1.5% after being down 2.2%. On Friday, we have the Russell up 1.1%. We have the NASDAQ up 2.1%. Semis are raging. The SMH is up 3.2%. We're seeing... The Tesla and the Rivian, those are raging. Microsoft's 2.5%. Amazon's up 2.5%. Apple's up 2.5%. What's your take here, bro? Um, We also saw really sharp sell-off in bank stocks on Friday. They are not bouncing really today. Um, Give me your take on, like, today, Monday. Well, the bank bank sell-off makes sense. I mean, you saw the huge move in 10-year yields. I mean, again, the volatility in the bond market is pretty interesting, to say the least. So the bank's... On the surface, that makes sense. In terms of Friday's action, you know, I think, look, human toll is not what we're tasked to talk about here, right? So let's take that out of it. We, we try to talk about things through the lens of the stock market. And I, my view all along has been, I've said it on Fast Money prior to ever hearing of this new strain, that I think the market has learned how to deal with COVID and any variation thereof. And so I was actually somewhat surprised by Friday's action. But then he added it's a shortened day, you know, maybe light volume. I can't speak to what the volume was on Friday. So I guess in, in, in the context of it all, it makes sense given where the market had been. But this bounce back today, I think it's exactly that. The market is telling us that, hey, you know, we've learned how to deal with COVID and everything. We'll figure it out. And there will be something that takes this market down. I just don't think it's that. So that's my view. In terms of individual names, like you mentioned the semis, like that story has not changed, uh, variant or no variant. I mean, that story remains intact. The have and the have-nots in the semi-space are alive and well, and we've talked about them. NVIDIA's having a decent day. AMD, Qualcomm continues to grind higher. Even Texas Instruments, which is very expensive in terms of valuation, is having a decent day. All those things, you know, quasi make sense. I'm surprised at how quickly the market's recovered, and it's going to be interesting to see how we close today, but you know, that's just my two cents, I guess, sort of in yeah. Friday to today. You know, it's interesting um, to your point about the variant um, and we've dealt with variants. You know, the Delta variant this summer, you know, was something that really did take its toll for a period of time on the markets. But when we ta- say toll, it was really peak to trough less than 6%, right? And you have to go back to last fall of 2020 before any vaccine announcements where we had a meaningful correction, you know, 10% plus or so. And so the playbook for 
the Delta or any variant of COVID in 2021 has been to buy a dip of 5%, right? If you do that in the stock market, that has proved to be correct because we've had a string of new highs or, or the most amount of new highs in a year, I think dating back 20 years. I think that's correct, right? And so will there be one guy that, that comes out and it ends up being a bit of a curveball? I, I just don't know. I think it's interesting on CNBC this morning, they had the Pfizer CEO and they had the Moderna CEO and both seem relatively comfortable about their ability to kind of tweak the um, vaccines, right? And so the real question, I think, is that if inflation is your big worry, if supply chain bottlenecks are your big worry, consumer prices and all the like, you know, and access to product and this and that or whatever and higher input costs, if those are your big worry, then then added variants, you know, like that that level of uncertainty is just a problem to, to kind of figure out the pace of the economy, right? And Q3 GDP started in the high single digits. It ended in the low single digits. Q4 GDP is expected to be high single digits or mid to high. You know, where does that end up? Now, you know, we have a month left in the quarter. It would have to be a real curveball to derail Q4 growth. Wouldn't you think so? So, you know, I guess this is almost like a Q1 story at this point. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And you you talk about things being pulled forward. And I agree with all that. I mean, the, the day of reckoning for the market, I don't think it's going to come in December. I just, I just don't see that happening, given the seasonality and everything that's going on. I think yeah, the yeah. day of reckoning comes early next year, you know, probably early, I don't know, whatever March is considered early spring or late winter, whatever that is, that's when we're going to see it, I would imagine. It's going to be a, I think it's going to come in the form of, you know, a lot of things have been pulled forward. Earnings expectations are going to be through the roof. I don't think companies will be able to perform. And I think valuation is something that's going to catch up with the market at that point. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking at. I mean, Let me ask I'll, you, that's a really great point about earnings expectations and the pull forward. You know, Q3, you know, the idea that the stock market was at basically all-time highs heading into Q3 earnings, right? And that maybe it wasn't going to be so great when you considered some of the spottiness and the economic data, the waning consumer confidence, and then – um, also just kind of GDP, but, but, but Q3 earnings guy, you, you agree, you know, ended up really being better than expected. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the market was making all time highs last week as we were still getting Q3 earnings or, or, you know, the calendar year earnings from a lot of retailers or stuff, the markets were in highs. So if you think about this, if we come back to a new high and we get through this period where, okay, we have debt ceiling, we had like, government funding we have uh, a fed meeting you know in mid-december so your point would be you think they just mark them up into the close if we get yeah. to the close of the year we get through all that yeah look again i've been i'm wrong all the time as you know and i'm not pretending i but what i said i think in october maybe september october on fast money i thought the s&p 500 would trade down to 4100 4150 it subsequently got down to 4270 and then I said, we'll probably close the year on new new highs. And that's effectively what's happening. Obviously, I missed the down spout. I didn't think – I thought it would get lower. It didn't. 41 level was sort of the 200-day moving average that we talked about. I guess it got relatively close, but not nearly as close enough. And now here we are. So do I think the market continues to get marked up? Yeah. I mean, this – you know, this – although I'm sure the, the cable news networks will be talking about this strain – you know, for the next week or so, I think it's going to be an afterthought for the market. Again, I want to be respectful of what's going on here for human beings. But in terms of the market, I think we're past it. I mean, 
I don't think you can hear us talk much more about variants and those types of things because I think the markets learn how to deal with it. So, yes, I think you're going to get this. You're going to see this markup into year end because for the life of me, I can't figure out what the next you know, major obstacle is going to be this time of year. I mean, it's a seasonality thing. Yeah. Hey, real quickly, can I just break in? Guy? Amanda posted on our, our market call uh, Twitter feed. It's in this space right here, guys. Guy and I are live um, 2022 look ahead with our friends from FactSet. They're sponsors of our um, market call that we do on um, Thursdays. And this is going to be December 8th. It's going to be live at noon. Please register for that. Um, you know, we, we'd like to see as many people as possible there. In fact, that's been a great partner to us and we'd like to bring them a big audience there. All right, guys, let's take, let's take a quick look. Um, you know, I said, I'm in Arizona. I'm at Credit Suisse's annual um, tech conference. They haven't done it since 2019. Um, this is a very heavy semi-led conference. Tomorrow morning, the CEO of Intel, Pat Kelsinger, is the mm-hmm. keynote speaker, followed by Lisa, followed by NVIDIA's CFO, um, tons of other semi-companies. Um, there's often volatility around this conference, and I think it's interesting that today, you know, we even have Intel up 2%, trading near 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, NVIDIA is raging up near 5% at 330 you know, that one, what was the all-time high in NVIDIA guy? It wasn't too long ago. I mean, the all-time closing high, just so you know, is this to where it was. The intraday high following earnings on eleven twenty-two was 346. Well, yeah, I was going to say 345-ish was probably – yeah. No, I mean, it's – it's look, it's interesting about Intel, and you mentioned Intel. You're right. It's trading close to 50. That 44 and a half, 45 level – you know, if you go back and look, that's been support a couple times. So, you know, it's something to sort of trade against for sure. I think Intel's got the most, in terms of ex- explaining to do, as they say, I think Intel's done a really lousy job. They're not getting any credit at all. I mean, people will point to evaluation that it's just in terms of the space, probably trades at a quarter to some of, you know, some of its peers probably trades less than half the multiple of like a Texas Instruments. Whether justified or not doesn't matter, but I think he's got the most work to do. I think the most interesting stock to me continues to be Qualcomm. I mean, I think Qualcomm has finally turned the corner, but we've talked about that for a while on Fast Money. I think we're trading, what, 184 or something right now. I think the all-time high in that stock was recently around 188 and change. I mean, that to me, even on valuation, has further to the upside. So, yeah, I think the space is really interesting. We talk about AMD forever. And yeah. NVIDIA, you can wax poetic about some of the metrics there that don't make sense. But, you know, we're in an environment now where people are not really focused on those metrics. All right, here's one, Guy. you got to look at this chart, and I'm going to send it to Amanda. She can post it here. So AMAT had this huge ramp. So they make semiconductor equipment, right? Mm-hmm. Had this huge ramp in January into early April from basically 90 to like 140. 160, I think, right? Or- yeah, well, well, but, but then it consolidated basically between 145 and 125. It just ran from early October and it broke out and it traded is almost near 160. Okay, the high was 159 on November 16th. The stock pulled back to the breakout level um, and really feels like it wants to go back. That one looks really interesting to me. That's just and one semi-day. Right, and we've actually talked about this. That sideways action we saw since basically the early April where we traded between, I want to say sort of 135 and one what 145 or so in yeah. that channel. And then we finally broke out. So we're retesting. So past... 
resistance becomes support. And you mentioned it in the form of that 145. I, I agree with you on AMAT. And even AMAT is not ridiculously expensive to, what, 25 times next year's numbers, maybe even less. I haven't looked recently. So I think you're right to bring that up. I mean, there are, listen, there are a lot of names that we talk about all the time. There are a lot of names we don't talk about that often. AMAT happens to be one of them. Yeah. So, you know, that, that stock trades about 18 times below a market multiple 22 fiscal year. That's the current year they're in. Earnings are expected to grow about 18% and revenue growth about 15%. That stock trades at 18 times. So if you're looking for value in an expensive market, that seems pretty reasonable relative to its expected growth. It seems very reasonable. All right, guy, on Friday, Danny and I did something where I know that Danny loves calamity and it felt like a, a really horrible, I don't even know how to turn the word calamity into calamitous. How would you say that? I, I would be careful what word you're searching for. We just <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So, so, so I can't get that, but we, we came up with a few names that, that we each thought were getting like unduly punished. One of them for me was American Express. Okay. And, and so Comes out yes. AXP. It was that AXP. Like 10% at one point, right? Yes. I thought it, I thought it seemed a bit ridiculous. It made a high postage earnings. Okay. Last month in, or in October 22nd, I think at like 188 or something. It traded yesterday and this morning. It traded as low as 154 and a half or so. Um, that seemed like one that seemed unduly punished. Your E in the hope trade, that was an acronym that guy came up with late last year, right, for stocks that he was looking at. Expedia, that thing seemed a bit overdone um, to me also. So we had American Express, Expedia, and then I had another nation. That's a big Karen Fireman stock. But man, oh, man, I mean, like, if you're looking to avoid, like, bottlenecks in supply chains and, and product and this and that, whatever, that one seemed really interesting. That got below 100. Look, it's almost filled in that entire gap. So um, those are three names. Is there any names that you thought just got overly slayed on Friday that you think are still interesting here? You know, I didn't – honestly, I, I should have done – I didn't really look that closely at individual names. I just sort of looked at broader market. Yeah. I think in terms of names that I think have absolutely – to your point, probably got unjustly beat up. Caterpillar, I think, went, if I'm looking at it correctly, I think it went from like 205 or so down to the low 190s. So maybe a name like that. But the whole market just, I mean, it was just a Friday post-Thanksgiving half day. I hate saying overreaction, but it was a reaction um, yeah. that is just being counter-reacted today and probably just makes sense again. I don't think this is, you know, this these news headlines are not what's going to take this market down, I guess. All right, point. so let me ask you this. Is crude's 4% bounce today <clears throat> after being down, at, I think at lows, 12% on Friday. Is that, um, does that look good to you? I mean, is that yeah, something that you're... Because I, yeah. I do think you're going to see, my sense is you're going to get some rhetoric out of the OPEC group um, that's going to talk about, okay, you you know, the I see what's going on in the world. You guys decided to release from the SPR, so our job is done for us. So I think any of the heads that took crude down, I think you're going to see that, in just my opinion, I think you're going to see that uh, countered by tech headlines, whether it's this week or next is just my sense. So, yeah, I still think crude's okay. Although it's yeah, although it, technically, it definitely, it's definitely broke down to some pretty critical levels. Yeah, draw a line, though, <clears throat> from last year at this time and match the – the, the lows in August when Delta variant was the story, right? 
And then you basically, you know, you're, you're right there. It's, it's on an important one year uptrend. So that's something to keep an eye on. All right. Let's talk about rates that those were also moving all over the place on Friday. They bounced this morning, but it's not that impressive. I see the 10 five two. I see the two year at five two. Danny Moses was talking the two ten spread under one, under one. Uh, okay. Is problematic. Um, what's your take on rates here? Yeah, I think he's right. I think it is problematic. You you are right. I thought rates would have bounced a lot more than they did. I thought you would have seen the 10-year sort of straddle on 160. I think at one point in pre, pre-market, pre I think you saw it like 158, 159 in the 10-year. So I'm surprised. I'm surprised they're not higher rates. In other words, I'm surprised that the TLT is not lower. I think the TLT opened around 148, spent the rest of the day sort of grinding higher. So, yes, that surprises me. I think Danny's right to look at the 210. That, to me, is really the biggest indicator. And the volatility in two-year yields is, I don't want to say historic because that's probably a bit of hyperbole, but it's definitely something to take a, take note of. Uh, and I think rates, look, you still think rates are going higher. Now, with each passing day, my prediction at 2% and by the end of the year, it, it looks uh, less and less likely. But I'm going to stand by that because I do think there's, you know, I think once you get past, again, these headlines, once the market digests all this stuff and you start hearing um, from people that it's probably not as uh, draconian as we made out on Friday, I think you're going to see yields go higher. All right. Are you surprised that the dollar sold off given everything that we think about growth, you know, let's say before this variant was a big story? I mean, the dollar broke out, the Dixie you know, had been in this range, right? It broke out, broke down below 95 um, in, you know, last summer and really just broke out above that level a couple weeks ago. And it's been on a bit of a runaway breakout. I mean, it dripped as high as what, 97, you know, technically, and we'll throw that chart up there. I mean, that looks kind of beautiful. You could have a move back towards that 95 and maybe bounce from there, but it feels like the dollar has, has really bottomed. Is that your what's well? Your there? It certainly feels that way. And to your point, you know, the weakness in the dollar. What was that a function of? It was probably a function of the fact that maybe maybe the market participants thought, wait a second, this new variant it's going to bring the Fed back in the equation. Fed back in the equation, yields go lower, yields go lower, dollar negative. I mean, I can I can draw those conclusions. Whether it's right or not, I don't know. I think that's what the market is trying to figure out. But I do think in terms of the dollar, look, I thought the dollar was going to crater through 88 for the longest time, traded down there a couple times and bounced. A lot of people think that 100 level in the DXY is is attainable as well. So if I think rates are going higher, which I just said five minutes ago I do, almost by definition, I guess, I have to think that the dollar is going to go higher as well. So I I I understand what happened with the dollar. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily correct. But again, the market decides, not me. Hey, I was on a space this morning, uh, Guy, and we still have a bunch of earnings coming out um, as far as retailers are concerned. But look at this Best Buy, okay? This Best Buy was trading in early October, like 103. And it it traded above 140, okay, yeah. on November 22nd. So I think that was like last, a week ago, all right? And then they were, were announced earnings, and the stock gaps lower, trades down to like 115, Tribalized. But then today on Cyber Monday, I know that means to you. Oh, yeah. The stock is down another 3% or so today. The stock um, went from 141. What's the trade? Like 112 right now. And it did that yeah. in like four days, three days. 
I mean, this is not a small company. It's a $30 billion company, I think. It's, you know, you're right to point it out. And I, and I think it's an interesting story. But the fact, again, that companies of that size can move with that type yeah, of speed, yeah. upside and downside, is it, to me, it's, it speaks to something much more sinister below the surface. I mean, stocks shouldn't move like that, in my opinion. Well, well, so my point great. of bringing that one up, though, Guy, is that I worry because there was so much concern about supply chains and in, you know, access to product and that sort of thing and shipping and logistics and all that. I wonder if all of these Black Friday and Cyber Month started so early that that so much of the consumer, even when consumer to like 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 uh, data was weak in November, we might have pulled forward a lot of, of demand, and, and December could see a really bad fall. And to your point about the moves, look at the chart on Costco. Okay, this stock since mid October has gone from four fifty to yep. five fifty nine. That is insane. This is not a small company. Uh, to your point, you were just talking about Best Buy at $30 billion, Okay, Costco is a company that has a $247 billion market cap. Okay, They do you know, over $100 billion. I'll tell you what they do in sales. Sorry if I'm, I don't have a Johnny on the spot here. Um, you know, This is a $214 billion revenue a year company. That stock has literally just gone up 25% or so in a straight line. Is that normal, guy? Is it normal? No, it absolutely is not. And we've talked about Costco on the show seemingly for years. Um, and the fact that, look, people will shoot against it on valuation. The one thing Costco has going for it is seemingly works in any economic environment. One, and they have that they have they have clarity in terms of their um, in terms of their program with with their consumer program. Right. I mean, they have yep. that. You sign up and there's obviously a revenue stream. And one of the reasons IBM got the valuation they got for years is because of that revenue stream that was that was pretty much unknown. Now, does it make sense in terms of valuation? You're probably talking about a company with like 9% EPS growth, right? They're going to earn maybe $14 next year. So you can do that math. 560 divided by 14 is what I'm just bear with me here, Dan. You can I'm, I'm doing it on I'm my calculator. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's trading at forty. Yeah, it's trading at forty times next year's numbers. Is that justified? You tell me. Um, I think. All right, but here, here's another one, guy. Where if they miss, let's put it this way: if they come in in line, in line is not going to be good enough. Yeah. So let me ask, let me ask you this. Okay. So here's another one: Home Depot. This is a four hundred billion dollar market cap company. It's up twenty percent um, since mid October. You know, and, and again, I get it. The housing trade, this that. It's it, it just some of those moves are just like they're really eye popping to me. Um, so, you know, I, I don't fair. I, I, I don't look, see I them as bullish either, to be very frank. Um, but, um, but they are. I mean, right. They're bullish in terms of you, you. I understand what you're saying. It, the crowding I, makes me nervous. The crowding. Yeah, it, it's 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 it, does, it should make you nervous. And Home Depot is another one. I mean, again, stretch options. But I've said this for a while. I think I think Costco reports on December 9th ish. So what's that next week? I, I guess it's next week, which is remarkable. I mean, I think it'll continue to grind higher in earnings. And then you see, I mean, if you're trading Costco, not that I want to turn this into a trading show, but I think you stay long the stock and you pull the report before they report. And then you see what happens from there. Let's trade it. All right. Your friend, uh, Michael Saylor, when I say your friend, he's been really great with you and me coming on our trading spaces in the past. He's the CEO of MicroStrategy. 
announcement this morning, guy, that they bought more Bitcoins. Um, 7,000 more, I think, right? 7,000 more Bitcoins. Think about that. I mean, like, you know, some of us pikers are just buying slices of Bitcoin. You know, his company is buying them by the thousands. So they, how many do they have right now? They have I, I think with that number, billion. it's probably 122,000. I don't have it exactly in front of me, but yeah. I think it's either side of 120,000. I think it's north of 120,000. Um, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty remarkable. So, so the knock on this story might be if Bitcoin were to go down significantly, they've raised a lot of debt um, to buy these, that they'd have a hard time paying off that debt. I do think it's interesting that the stock is down from 900 to 700 just in a couple of weeks um, here. And, um, you know, Bitcoin is, is not down uh, no. on a percentage basis. So it goes down more on, on a percentage basis yeah. when Bitcoin goes down. No question. I mean, it sort of makes sense. I also think people, they're clearly not putting any value whatsoever on their underlying business, which maybe, listen, I don't know. I mean, maybe it just becomes just a straight crypto play. Yeah, I, I, I can't speak to that, but it's, it, it is interesting to see some of the volatility. But I will also tell you this. A lot of that volatility has been tamped down over the last few months without question. So it's becoming seemingly less and less volatile with some of these crypto moves, which I guess is a good thing. I don't know. But I don't think he's going to stop either. As my And I don't have any inside information. But, you know, my sense is that that 120,000 Bitcoin number, I mean, that's going to continue to grow over the next year. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't surprise me if we're doing this this time next year, and hopefully we are, to be talking about a balance sheet that has north of 200,000 Bitcoin on it. Yeah, but that, that story, I mean, I think it's really fascinating what he's doing. His market cap is $7 billion. $7 billion. It's, it sounds like he's got close to $7 billion of Bitcoin. At some point, what do you do with a company? I mean, obviously, there's there. Um, and he's using that to basically raise equity and debt to buy Bitcoin. It's just, I should it's, do the math and see exactly what the crypto holdings are worth. You know, it's probably, I'm yeah. sure. Well, I think their average price is like uh 30,000 guy. So he's sitting on a couple billion dollar gain, but there's a lot of funny accounting uh, ways to think about that. All right. Real quickly, guy, cause we got to get out of here in a couple minutes. So we started out by talking about, um, these, you know, just to, again, you know, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, all up about two and a half percent. And then we look at um, NVIDIA now is in the mix. Tesla is in the mix. Those are up four and a half percent. And then Facebook is up two percent. It just seems like, you know, when you think about the market, um, where it is, the S&P up one and a half percent. Those names, which are 25% or 26% of the S&P 500, are doing a lot of heavy lifting here. As they have, right? As they have. And that's, I think, been one of your concerns and my concern as well, that the heavy lifting is being done by a handful of names. And that's great on the way up. But if you start to lose those pillars, that's when that, to me, is when things get dicey, right? Not Again, not on COVID strains, on any of those things, or a policy mishap. <laughs> it's going to be on, you know, for whatever reason – couple of those names start to give it up, and we haven't seen that yet. We sort of almost saw it in Tesla with that move down to 970. That was short-lived. Obviously, Amazon had a similar move. Uh, you had that huge move up on, a, I think, two Fridays ago when it challenged the all-time high. Subsequently sold off on that Friday and had a couple big um, downdraft days. But short of that, we really haven't seen much damage to those stalwart names. 
Yeah, there's a couple real quickly, a couple earnings that I think are important this week. Salesforce reports, I think, tomorrow after the close. And that stock has been a monster. It just sold off. I think the all-time high a couple weeks ago was like 311. It got as low as 283 the other day. It's having a big day today. Let's see where that stock is trading prior to earnings. But again, um, you know, high valuation. I, I mean, you know, forget who cares about valuation at this point. It, it really is about just kind of executing. And we know that this is a company that is helping a lot of companies do things, whether it be remote or, you know, the like. So uh, all systems go there. And then another one, Zscaler. I know that's a name that's been on your radar, um, Guy. It's interesting to see how a stock like that will react, even if there's like the slightest thing, because that stock is 250 to 350 in a month and a half. Yeah, and I think it traded up to 370 or so a week or so ago. So that you've mentioned it, and you're correct in bringing it up. I mean, that's a very expensive stock in terms of valuation. So that's another one where you, know, you probably let them report and see what happens. Although we saw a huge move up in Palo Alto a couple of weeks ago. I still think that space is viable for sure, but valuations are definitely concerning. I think we lost Dan. Um, no, unless it's bad. no the, reason, the reason why Zscaler is interesting to me is that – a lot of people on this call, maybe you've never heard of it, $50 billion market cap, trading at 38 times sales. Okay. <clears throat> great company, great management, really interesting products, sweet service. I don't know how you justify that. So we're going to find out. All right, guy, listen, um, thanks everybody for tuning in. Please take a look at that tweet and register for our um, 2022 market call that we're doing with FactSet on December 8th. Please register there today. Um, Guy, thank you for joining uh, Trading Spaces. We do them every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, sponsored by CME Group, which is the sponsor of our podcast, which is called On the Tape. It is in other podcast stores. Please check it out. We had a great episode with David Rosenberg of Rosenberg Research last week talking about all things inflation, the dollar, the Fed's next move, um, and what his thoughts are on valuations for risk assets. That was a great conversation. We also put these trading spaces in the On The Tape feed. So if you miss them, you can check them out there. So please subscribe and share it, rate, review. You know the whole jam. Thanks to Amanda Diaz for doing all the work on the back end. She records this stuff for us, and she produces these episodes. Um, so thanks for joining us, Guy. I will see you uh, later, my man. Thanks, Enjoy guys. Arizona. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, bud.